Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Now, here's the reality. Even if that was the best worship experience you've ever had or the best moment of focus you've ever had in a worship service, that cannot be the height of your worship to God. Because that's not even the highest form of worship. You know what the highest form of worship is? When you download from heaven revelation for your life, instruction for your life from the Holy Spirit, and you actually walk out in obedience and do it. That's when your life gives glory to God. Now, here's the the best thing about that piece is that when you download and do, you live in such a way that eventually people will thank God for your existence. And that's the point. Like, if we're living in what God made us for, at some point, we should so inherently and so powerfully give our value to other people's lives. They're like, I thank God for your existence because without you, I'd be crying right now. Don't you believe it? I mean, if you take Jesus out of your existence, how many think you'd start crying right now? I'm already crying and Jesus is still with me. <laughs> Seriously, and then there are people in your life that are just so incredibly valuable to you. You're supposed to be an expression of Christ to the planet. When you function in a, a way that you reveal what God has downloaded to your life and you walk in obedience, I want you to know this. Obedience is the highest form of worship. And not the simple, don't. Smoke and don't chew and don't go with girls who do. That's the basics. <laughs> the Ten Commandments are the basics. There's such a deeper form of obedience. It's a product of, of, of relationship. And in relationship with God, you actually get to hear his voice. And he speaks to you about your purpose. And he leads you to people. And he leads you to positions. And he leads you to destinations you never thought imaginable. And along the way, you influence people. And they go, I thank God that God has got you. Because... The, what God has done in your life has had a profound impact in mine. Amen? I actually believe that you should be so transformed by the power of God that you live in such a way that if your life is removed from its sphere of influence, people should weep over you. Amen? Well, that's wishful thinking, Pastor Mark. No, it's not! That's biblical thinking. That's kingdom thinking. Amen? If the kingdom is going to bring ridiculous value to my life as reward, as a response, sorry, I should bring the kingdom's value to people around me. Shouldn't I? Hello. (laughs) Okay. We're going to talk about hunger. We're going to talk about hunger for the presence of God. Did you know that hunger does crazy things to people? I'm going to need your youth pastor for a second. The hangry stuff is, is actually legit. Like scientifically, hangry is real. You just stand up there and look pretty. I'll be with you in a minute. You know, when people are hangry, when, they're, when your brain is chemically dependent on glucose, blood sugar, the simple form of sugar, and your body converts it. Now, if you get too much of it, your body converts it to fat, which is a different story. So anyway, but we're not going to get into that. Well, a little bit we are, actually. Here's the deal. Your brain is chemically dependent on glucose. It's the fuel for your brain, so you need it. So when your body goes low on, 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 on glucose, your, your brain sends out signals, I need some sugar. Because hangry is a phenomenon. For instance, some of you lose concentration when you're hungry. And some of you just, you must be hungry all the time. And some of you, <laughs> some of you get grumpy when you're hungry. And again, there's a few of you who are just hungry all the time. And some of you... Lose focus, or get snappy, or irritable, because it's legit. Now, here's the thing. Our body reacts to what we ingest. And by the way, the soul is your soul. We'll get into that in a minute. If you, if you, if you go for something easy when you're hungry, <laughs> there are consequences. Because your body responds to what it suggests. Could you just open that for me? I am going to have you drink that entire thing. He is so excited right now. Any other volunteers? 
the thing, when you, when you reach for the lousy to feed your body, your body responds. Just like if you, you're, don't spill it, that's electronic. No, I'll tell you. Take it easy, you're just supposed to stand here and look pretty until I tell you something to do. Here's the deal. So if you reach for junk food, your body responds. So we're going to talk about the response of body to a can of Coke. Now, that's one can of Coke, this is actually equivalent to two. So just double the stats. Here we go, ready? And begin. Pretty boy. Okay, so in the average can, a typical can of Coke has 10 teaspoons of simple sugar. 10 teaspoons. Now, there's only one reason your stomach doesn't immediately barf it up. It's because it was invented by a pharmacist in Atlanta, Georgia, and he added acid to it. The acid cons your stomach into believing that you're not ingesting that much sugar. Because have you ever tried to eat 10 teaspoons of sugar? Who's the person who has done that? Just need to stop that, right? That is, it's like, it's ridiculous. But the acid is actually letting your body. Now, he's about to do 20 teaspoons of sugar. God bless him. And so, in about 10 minutes, sugar punches your system in the throat. Oh! Because it's like really easy digestible form of sugar. And, and again, you won't vomit because of the, the acid. But in about, what? You know what? Go stand down there. You're just, you're too big of a distraction. And don't take all day to do this. Okay. So I've only got so many no, you don't get to sit down. I didn't say you could sit down. 20 minutes after you finish your can of Coke, your pancreas has a freak out. Ah! It screams from the inside out because such a high amount of, of sugar. So your, your pancreas releases insulin and your liver goes to work turning excess sugar into fat. So your system is like, way too much, way too much, way too much. Even though your brain was screaming, I need some sugar, I need some sugar. Oh, you've overdone it because you reach for something easy and junky. So you're trying to feed something. About 40 minutes later, all the caffeine is absorbed. Yeah, it's so fun. Where are you going? Where are you going? Are you nervous? <laughs> your pupils dilate. Your blood pressure rises. This is one can of Coke. The liver reacts by dumping some of your sugar back in your bloodstream because you've overcorrected by the insulin release of your pancreas. It's weird. You're freaking out. The receptors in your brain are blocked, preventing drowsiness because of the caffeine. It's a similar uh, uh, blockage that cocaine has in your brain, actually. <laughs> 45 minutes, your body ups the dopamine production, stimulating the same receptors as those heroin triggers. In 60 minutes, the acid in the pop has now bound with all of the good stuff in your intestine and your blood, calcium, magnesium, and zinc, and your kidneys will eventually demand that you flush it out of your system. To get rid of the excess sugar, you also take out the excess good stuff. So you, you actually are depriving your body of the stuff it needs by reaching for a simple solution. I know, you're depressed, some of you. After about 60 minutes... I thought we were supposed to have fun in church. We are. He's drinking pop. Anyway. <laughs> about 60 minutes later, you get to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you get to go to the bathroom. And all the things that were supposed to help you with... You have to wait 60 minutes? No, it'll demand that you do. <laughs> Depending on how dehydrated you are. <laughs> Everything you have that... It, the. The acid now, the stuff that's been absorbed in your system will bind into your kidney somewhere in this area. Well, actually back here. And then it'll go out the front. So anyway, here's the deal. Eventually, the internal insanity calms down and you will inevitably have a crash. Yes. <laughs> what a party. All right, thank you, sir. Now you can go to the bathroom. Okay. It gets more depressing because the study that I got these stats from also suggests that if you drink one to two ounce, 12 ounce cans of pop a day, you're 26 more percent more likely to develop type 2 diabetes, not to mention higher blood pressure and heart disease and obesity. We won't linger there too long. I know some of you like your pop. Here's the deal. Your life responds to what it takes in. Physically, and the, there's an even more important issue in your life because every one of you walks around with something even larger. I talked about what you breathe in you breathing in the presence of God. When God breathed into Adam, he instilled something in him that lasts forever. His soul. If, if the, the health of your soul is determined by what you in, ingest, your soul ingests. You know what we do a lot of times though? When our soul is needed, we actually feed our flesh. 
You ever get like emotionally low and you reach for a big bag of chips? I do this. Anyway, here's the deal. <laughs> but what my soul is craving, the lowness in my spirit is actually something deeper. There's something missing inside of me. So instead of feeding my soul, I feed my flesh. Now it's human. We get over it. I mean, I do it all the time. I did it today. I had way too much banana bread because my wife left it on the counter. <laughs> like way too much banana bread. She's going to come home. She's working all day at church. She's going to come home and go, there's actually no banana bread left. That's because I ate it. <laughs> and it was delicious. But, you're, but here's the thing. My life reveals what I'm hungry for. And, and here's the thing. When you walked in today... The way you've been living this week or this month or this year is actually revealing what you hunger for already. But that's not to say we live without hope because we live with extraordinary hope. Because if we ingest the things that feed our soul, it can actually determine our destiny. He would, he, here's what God would do. He would save you and he would heal you, transform you so that he could actually put your life on display. Ready? So that your transformation is so powerful and so complete that people thank God for your existence. Because the way you live brings such glory to him, they celebrate the impact you bring to their life. Anybody want to live a life that brings such value to other people's life that they thank God for you? Like over and over and over again. Amen? You with me? Then pretend to be. <laughs> Are you with me? It's good faking. I love it. Anyway, here's the deal. Our lives reveal what we hunger for, but he wants to put your life on display, exposing whatever freedom he's accomplished in your life, whatever. And we're all on a journey of progressive freedom. I'm, I'm still so frustrated with me sometimes that I give in to ancient fears. Anybody relate to that statement? I'm, st I'm still this journey. I'm not this complete work. It's ridiculous how incomplete I am. I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and go, man, I am so sorry. Because there were moments I didn't have to be afraid. Now that I see you for real, now that I see you for real, Man, I wish I could have seen you like this. But you can. Here's the deal. It's not about perfection. It's about presence. It's about getting near enough to God that you're actually persevering in a position of hunger. And if you do, if you hunger after the right thing in the right moment, your life will bring extraordinary praise to God. Anybody want to live there? <laughs> Come on. Anybody want to live there? Thank you. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17. This is an incredibly familiar passage. As soon as I say John chapter 15, oh, you're talking about the grape thing. I'm the vine. That one? John 15. Anybody got a digital Bible? You guys are just not moving anything. Come on now. Pull it out. Let's do this. Real Bibles are even better. It's awesome. I am the true grape, Brian. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That's pretty harsh. I thought Jesus was so nice. Mm, apparently he has tools. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Somebody say remain. Remain, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear, produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You see Jesus' heart cry for his boys? Like his intention is that their life brings ex extraordinary praise to God. Amen? It's not just for his apostles, though. It's everybody who remains. And this is hard. It's hard for you. It's actually your life would just announce transformation and impact people around you and do such an incredible grace that, that people thank God for your existence. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. You know what remaining in Jesus does? It helps you ask for the right thing instead of the treating him like Santa Claus, by the way. Because that sounds like, oh, that's a great promise. If I remain in Jesus, I can have whatever I want. That's not what he's saying. Here's something about remaining in God. You actually hear his heart, you hear his voice, and you know what to ask for. It changes what we ask for when we're transforming his presence. Amen? But that's still tied to incredible promise. This brings, 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. (sighs) Joy. There's a place of joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Just just hear me. And this is powerful and sometimes a little bit strong. But you are producing the kind of fruit your body and spirit and soul is feeding on right now. You are presently producing the quality of your pursuit of God. Hey. There's a pathway to an incredible life in God. It's available to us. But it goes through a vine. Amen? Okay, so the lead up to this passage is John chapter 14, which is one of my favorite passages because it has all these crazy, amazing promises of God. Now, Jesus is actually trying to calm the boys down because he's been talking a lot about dying and leaving. Oh, that sounds like a party. He's talking about dying and leaving, and he's like, I'm the way and the truth and life, and you can't get the Father except through me, and it's going to be, I'm going to go, and you're going to be sad, and it's going to be horrible. But I'm going to send you a, com- a counselor, a comforter. I'm going to send you someone so it'll be like you're not orphaned. His intention is that his boys would walk with him the same way they walked with him when he was walking the planet. But it'd be the person, the Holy Spirit, living in them. It's even more intimate. They would never have to lose sight or connection with Jesus. They would be indwelt by the power of the Spirit of God. And he's trying to prepare them for life after his exit. He spent three years investing in their transformation. He, he, he tried to conform their ethics to the ethics of the kingdom. He tried to instill confidence and grace. He sent them out in, in, in so many places to do so many things. And now he's preparing them for their exit. This is a lead up to his death. It's just a couple chapters away. And most of it is him talking. And then they arrest him and take him away. But buried in it is this incredible promise that he's tied their lives to the presence of the Spirit in a way that he intends to maintain their view of God and their faith in him and the hope that they have for a great life. Here's the great attraction about Jesus. Coming to Jesus is tied to this promise that we get to have a great life. We live in such a way that people are impacted and the kingdom is expanded. And that's why these guys walked away from everything. They looked at him with this incredible face and grace of hope for their life. And then he starts talking about leaving and they get kind of sad. He says, it's like I'm never going to leave. I'm going to send you another counselor, a comforter, someone who leads you to all truth, who will remind you everything I have to say. You'll never be alone. He will advocate for you. He will set you in front of kings and governors. You'll know what to say because he'll speak through you. It won't be your own words. It's supposed to be this radical, powerful, glorifying life in God where Jesus is exalted and the Father is glorified because of their connection to the Holy Spirit will lead them to a powerful and overcoming life. Does it sound interesting? Amen. He has this hope that they will go from his influence to a place where they will persevere in the, in, the, in the plan that God has for them. And it's all tied to the sending of the Spirit. So in chapter 14, he's, he's leading them to this understanding and then the language changes. He says, here's my part. My part is to die, to rise, and to ascend to the right hand of the Father and to get out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can come. He says to them, I, if I don't go, he won't come. But if I do go, he will come. He said, this is my part. And in chapter 15, he begins to tell them their part. What is your part? To live in sinless perfection? To always make the greatest choices available? Nope. 
Your part isn't tied to your performance. Your, your part is tied to your perseverance. Where? In the presence of God. Where you hunger and thirst for his presence. So there's a natural overflow of your life. So it begins to use this language. Your job is to yearn, to hunger for the presence of God. It's ridiculously important that they understand it. And so he just begins to unfold this metaphor of this vine. He sees them with such precision, and he knows what the transformation of their life is needed, and he has this incredible hope for their life to walk forward in the kingdom of God and really discover what they have for them. And he says, what I need you to do is I need you to remain. Everybody say remain. He says remain, and the metaphor is the vine and the gardener. So Jesus begins, how many of you have ever seen a winery? Driven by. Has anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Because you go by a thousand of them. Anyway, just look, at, look around. <clears throat> so they know this metaphor inside out. There's just, they're everywhere in Palestine. So there's a main branch coming out and, and there's tons of branches that spread up from this main stem. And he says, this, this trunk, this, it's like three or four feet high. This is me. I'm rooted into the ground. I'm the supply line for sustenance for your life. You are the branches. Everybody's got the metaphor, right? Some of you heard this passage preached on several times, I'm sure. But the deal is this. If you connect it to chapter 14, where he says, I'm going to do my part and send you the Holy Spirit, your part is to remain. Somebody say remain. Remain. Then you know. Now, here's the deal. He says, my dad is the gardener. In other words, he's the guy with the tools. You know, the things that snip and cut and burn. Ha! He's the pruner. And I'm not talking about staying in the pool too long. <laughs> so pruny. Oh my goodness. Right away you need to make a decision about the gardener. Because God comes. I mean Hebrews chapter uh, 12 talks about he, how he disciplines the people he loves. He comes with I don't know, snips, scissors, pliers, an axe, a blowtorch, an Uzi. No, I'm kidding. He comes with the tools, and you have to make a decision. Will I trust my life to the person who holds the tools? And if you can't get past trust issues with God, and maybe you can be healed of some of those tonight, then you'll never be able to actually persevere in a place where he can invest in your existence. He says, boys, he says to his boys, he's like, my dad is the one who has the tools. And before we go any further, I have, to know, I have to make a decision if I really trust the guy with the tools. If I will let him into my inner world and my life and actually give him permission to prune me from the inside out. You know, if, if God never gives permission to, look at me, if he doesn't give permission to say no to you, he can never say go to you. Like if he can never say no to your dysfunction, your brokenness, and and your woundedness, if he can never say get over it and get on with Jesus, then he can't, you will never hear him say, okay, now I can use you. Because the level of your healing is actually tied to the capacity of your destiny. The transformation in your inner life will determine actually what God uses you to do. So you have to make a decision. Will I full bore trust my life to the guy with the tools? Because if you don't let them put a finger, and some of you have been sitting in church for 30 or 40 years, and here's what I want to know. Are you pretty much the same as you were 20 years ago? Have you found your spiritual level and just kind of flattened out? I want you to know this. You're still a work in progress. The same way I admitted that I was. And unless I go to a place where the father still gets to take his shears to me and prune off the things that don't matter, because I don't know if you know this, we tend to be dumb as people. Have you noticed your dumbness? You should have. You've done it today, because every human does. You have been dumb, you have been arrogant, you have been greedy, most likely you've let something slip out of your mouth, or at least through your head that was completely inappropriate, and if anybody found out about you, they'd think you're disgusting, but we'll just go on. Anyway, here's the deal. I'm in constant need of the grace of God. Can anybody relate to that? You know that passage where he says, like this morning, I was meditating in prayer life, it's, it's just like, it says, your mercy is new every morning. What I've come to notice about myself is I actually have to take advantage of the mercy. (laughs) Because I'm needy. (laughs) Amen? If you have a deep longing for a life of purpose, this is what we tend to do. When we can't trust the guy with the shears, we medicate our lives 
with something that points to our fulfillment that's a lot less fulfilling than what God will point to. See, if you can never get to the point where you trust God with the shears, you'll medicate your life and call it living, when in your heart you know that you're missing out on the presence and power of God in your life. And guys, we're Canadians. We're masters at medicating. Most of us do it with recreation. We're spending, accumulating stuff or moments or memories. We're so addicted to... Have you noticed how addicted we are to moments? Like we will pursue a moment with a burrito. Oh man. I have got to get that on Instagram. That is the best burrito I've ever... Now listen to me. There are moments... I get it. Uh, like Chipotle. It's like good stuff. But here's the deal. My moments like that, if that's the sustaining moment in my life, if that's what I celebrate, my, the time I caught like a seven inch, a pound, seven, seven inch, a seven pound largemouth, or, a, or, or I shot 79 at the golf course, or whatever, you know what I mean? If those are my moments, if that is really, I want you to notice, my soul is empty. I am, I'm making up for, for a lack of purpose by trying to pursue every moment to make me feel more fulfilled about myself. When the Bible screams that I can be so transformed that my life gives exalted glory to God, and people thank God for it as I live a life of obedience and it gives praise to the Father. That's a lot different from Instagram and a burrito. That's giving grace away. That's giving life away. That's giving purse away, purpose away. There's, there's a longing that is only fulfilled in nearness to God. Something Jesus has made possible every day for me and you. He tore the veil of the curtain in two so that I can get into the holiest place on the planet. And that is to know him through the power of the spirit. Amen? But hunger's your choice. Hunger's my choice. And there are some days <laughs> some days I just hunger for the substitute. But if I do it consistently then I never get to what God wants for me. I actually feel bad for so many people who sit in our churches. I just the pain of change is so intimidating for them. They don't linger in the presence of God till healing happens. They're so intimidated of what it takes to really become free or really become new. They never get to the place where God says, I made you for extraordinary purpose. But until you submit that fear or that doubt or that shame to me, until you walk into a place where God can say, I want you to remain so that you can hear me. Guys, first stop is the man with the tools. I am the vine. And you are the branches. My father is the gardener. He intends to prune us. Not for our pain. So that we would be free. And enabled to bring glory to him in a way that people go, I can't believe who you've become. God has radically transformed your life. You're not the same old, same old. It's something that sets you apart. Man, even if most of us could just live there. You know, you're, you're different. Like most people around here, they're like super greedy and they're always like running off to get to this and get to that. And people identify service and sacrifice in your life and they're like, what's wrong with you? Shock the world with the transformation God has done in your life. Jesus is staring at a bunch of, a bunch of young men and ten times, he says, remain in ten verses. How many think if, if Jesus says something ten times, you should probably like, pay attention? And the point is this. I'm going to invest in you the power and presence and the voice of the Spirit. I need you to remain so you can hear it. Because obedience is not the ten commandments. That's taken for granted. He expects you not to kill people. Like, that's the basics. Even the atheists get that part. I'm not going to knife anybody today. Oh, praise God. No, actually, I don't praise God. I'm an atheist. But I'm not going to kill people. Here's the deal. That's just the basics. The basics are, I can check this box, check this box, check this box. Who cares? The, the real depth of relationship with Jesus is walking in his presence, hunger and thirst after him so he can prune your life for freedom. And then he can download into your spirit exactly what he have you to do for the next 24 hours. Or 24 days. Or 24 years. 
Transform the destination of your life and the purpose that flows from your existence because in such a way that people are like, man, I can't believe what's on your life. Sounds like wishful thinking, doesn't it? It's too bad when it does. That means we're scarred. That means the culture has convinced us that extraordinary life in Jesus is an impossibility instead of an ideal we need to hang on to. When you think your best life is blowing seven hours in the basement with your video game system, I want you to know this, you lied to. When you think your best, best moment in life is when you get more likes than your friends on Instagram, I want you to know you're settling for lies. That feeds your flesh, it doesn't feed your soul. It might feed the brokenness in your soul. It's, you know, we feed on brokenness when we are broken and we're not addressing our brokenness in the presence of Jesus. We celebrate things way too much that don't mean as much when we actually are dysfunctional. But when God heals us, we start to see ourselves in a whole different light. Wow, my identity is not tied to how many people like my photo anymore. It actually is much deeper than actually just getting to the next Avengers movie. Trails look cool, by the way. Those are supposed to be the moments we reward ourselves out for really living out the purpose of God, not the purpose of our existence that sustains us. Man, if I could, I just can't wait. I just have no life, but like Marvel's coming out. That's a tragedy. When you could walk into your workplace or your school tomorrow and be so deeply impacted by the presence of God because you've been hungering and thirsting for a connection to the Holy Spirit that you bleed organically out the grace of heaven and people are blessed because of what God has done in your existence. That's not a horrible thing. And then you wouldn't have to wait till the Avengers movies come out. You can actually feel alive before that. <laughs> oh, come on. We call good things extraordinary because extraordinary has escaped us. <laughs> his deep hope for his apostles is they would live so connected to him that they would live a life that made a ridiculous impact on the people around them. Here's the call. Remaining hungry for what, everything that God has in your life. <clears throat> now here's what I know. Nearness has a profound impact on destiny. He says, you can, apart from you, can, you, can, you can accomplish nothing. You can do nothing. That's kind of a sad line. And if you don't pair fruit, well, I'm probably just going to cut you off and burn you. Happy day. <laughs> Connection to the vine enables you to be moved. It enables you to be pruned, shaped, grown, protected. That's the work of the Spirit. So the Spirit of God wants you to be so committed to His presence, so long and persevering in the presence of God that He changes you. That you see yourself in a way that even people around you don't see you. Some of you should be so sick and tired of being afraid. Or so sick and tired of being depressed. Or so sick and tired of wondering if there's anything more for your life. Because there is. There is. There's an opportunity to remain. And in remaining bearing much fruit. And he's such powerful lines. He's like, if you remain in me. You'll know joy. How many know that joy is not an emotion? It's actually a product. Let me help you with this. Like you watch a car commercial and they use joy in the language. Oh, just feel the joy. That's not joy. That's, that's, you have to use that as joy when you have a shallow definition of joy. But joy is a fruit of the spirit, right? Anybody read Galatians chapter 5? It's a fruit. Fruits produced over a season. A season of what? In context of Bible times, it's, it's a season of obedience. So God does this. Jesus says, I promise you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to fill you, lead you. If you tap into him and he speaks to you and he heals you, transforms you, and then he leads you, ready? All of a sudden you start to discover that your voice is meant for purpose and your hands and feet are meant for purpose and the energy of your life can be used for purpose and you can have a profound impact on the presence of God. You can go places you never thought you'd do and in the moment have a sudden realization that, whoa! I am in the middle of the will of God for my life. And in that moment, 
When you look up into the Father in heaven, your pruner and your sustainer, something in your soul awakens because of your obedience to the Spirit of God, and you realize, for the first time in my life, I am fulfilled. And in the fulfillment moment, you go, what is this strange feeling I have in the substance of my being? Oh, that's joy. Oh, I want you to know, I discovered this when I was a young pastor. I think I'd been whining a lot about sacrifice and giving up my old life and stuff because things weren't going that well. And, uh, and uh, me and Jesus, we had like a, we had a moment where I, where I was just really angry and stuff. But on the other side of the honesty moment, he just, he just spoke so clearly in my life. He's like, you, you know I have you exactly where I want you. Like I ordain this level of sacrifice for your life. Because if you do not give for me, you can't receive joy. It is your act of obedience that is causing you pain, but it will not be like this because joy comes in the morning. The morning what? The morning when the darkness begins to rise and light shines and the work of your life that you do in obedience to the Holy Spirit begins to bear fruit and you go, I, I thank God I am places I never thought I would be doing things I never thought I should because I, I listened to the Spirit and he demanded sacrifice and energy and grace for my life and now I stand in a place I never thought I'd be in a moment of victory and grace where light is shining and people are being impacted and God is moving and I never would have been here except for obedience. Because joy is a fruit. It's a product. It's not driving an Escalade down a California highway along the ocean. That's feeding your flesh. And so often we feed our flesh when we're supposed to be feeding our soul. Where? In the presence of God. If you hunger, if you persevere in the presence of God, he will morph you and then he will download into your life instruction and grace. Without the vine, however, joy runs screaming. And when joy runs screaming, we settle for happiness. See, if the work of being transformed by the power of God gets too difficult, then we will go looking to feed our flesh. So it's either the backseat of some guy's car or chasing the promotion or experimenting with drugs or accumulating garbage. Why do we have storage spaces that we rent from other people to store the stuff we can't actually fit in our overstuffed garages? Does that speak of an illness? Like, no, don't get me wrong. Like, if you have a business and you have, like, a ton of equipment in your storage space, I get that. That's, that's intelligent. Because your wife probably doesn't want that in the garage. Or your husband. But if you have, like, if you need space for all the stuff you might use someday, because you used it once, do you think maybe you're living for experience instead of for fulfillment? Like, don't get me wrong, the pathway to fulfillment in Jesus is, it's, you know, you got to submit to the pruner. But on the other side, tapped into the root, he says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Hmm. Um... You ever, you ever leave a moment like this and feel like your faith withers pretty quickly? Like, you know, a really good weekend in church or like an amazing retreat or convention? Do you ever wonder why that is? Well, he said 10 times remain. If you're waiting for the professionals to keep you tapped into Jesus, it's not actually going to be sustainable for your life, is it? Amen? You have to remain. Somebody say remain. 
It's weird when we feel withered. We like to pretend we cannot see that there are lives God is truly using. You've seen them, right? Some people are so connected to Jesus. You're like, man, that person's connected to Jesus. And they seem to have this incredible grace and joy in their life. And, and I, I, that either makes us bitter or envious. And if it upsets you, you just pretend it doesn't exist. And it makes you envious. Hopefully it makes you hungry too. Amen? Because if you're hungry, you can have what they have. <clears throat> Most of us can see the, the difference a connection to the spirit makes. But the planet comes with like ridiculous amounts of distractions and temptations and attempt to make you believe that you're actually missing out on life. Fear comes to talk you out of being close to God. And when we allow the enemy of our life to convince us to hunger for other things, it can give you a rush. But you know, the things that, that we chase in the planet take a lot less courage, eh? And the reason I bring that up is like, really, you're your best self when courage is required. You're your best self when faith is moving you instead of your lusts. There's all kinds of lusts, right? And some of the lusts are products of dysfunction and fear, and some of them are just we're convinced by culture we need stuff, but you're your best stuff when courage is required, and I just want to encourage you towards courage. For instance, whatever you're into now, it determines whether or not you feel withered on the vine or if you feel disconnected from Jesus or if you feel like you're in a position where joy is coming because you're being used. And I'm sure some of you, like you rise every day in the presence of Jesus and then you feel like he commissions you to do things and, and, and there's such incredible joy. How many know those moments? Those are great moments, amen? And, and you can have more of them and they're so powerful. And if we were living as a church, just so connected and persevering in the presence of God, we could have moments. And it may be if you have enough of those moments that God will actually change the destination of your existence. Because he did that for his boys. Hey guys, I'm going to leave. But I'm going to send some power and some grace in the spirit of God. And he's going to lead you in an amazing, amazing life. And you're not going to believe your influence. And people are going to thank God. They're going to thank God for the work that is done in you and as a result, the work that is done through you. You know what my hope is? That more of us would live in a way that actually brings God such incredible grace that people are blown away by our transformation. Here's the deal. There is a vine. Somebody say vine. If you live near the vine, you will ingest. If you live connected to the vine, you will ingest what it feeds you. And that's the point. Jesus says, remain in me. I got one job for you going forward. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go away. But I got one job. And your job is to remain. Say remain. Turn to your neighbor. Say remain. And there's so much power in remaining in Jesus. It's not just about geography or going to church or youth. It's, it's not about being nice. It's actually about thriving because life thrives when it's connected to the vine. And so Jesus sees them. He sees them going forward. He sees these men preaching and healing and saying to the lame man at the temple a few days later, hey, I don't have silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus, why don't you just get up? And we can point to our silver and gold a lot of times in Canada, but we can't actually point to moments of power. Do you know that you were made, every one of you, to know Jesus, to participate in specific miracles for your life? There's supposed to be extraordinary moments for you, supernatural moments. Why would he invest such power in your existence? It was never supposed to be more than just sitting in your butt in a pew and being nice and safe. By the way, safety is not a kingdom value, but I'm not going to go into it because that's another message. Here's the deal. God meant for you to participate in the works he made for you so that your, your life and living would bring glory to the Father. So connected to the Holy Spirit that faith arises in great moments and he speaks prophetically through your life or he uses you to be extraordinarily generous and people freak out. Oh my gosh! I was on the streets of Hamilton a couple weeks ago giving out bags to the homeless with Mariah. And there was a guy, there was a guy there who fell nine stories from a building. <laughs> And lived. He proceeded to show us every scar in his body, which was a little awkward for my girls. <laughs> Sweatpants were riding a little low at the back. He showed us this huge zipper scar going right up his spine. And his, his wrists were basically sewed back on, and he showed us his prosthetic leg. Like he literally, if he wasn't lying, he's been through a lot. Anyway, and he just says to us, he says the most wonderful line. I just... Like, I'd like to tell you he got saved and healed that moment. He didn't, but he said this. He said, it is so amazing to actually run into somebody down here that isn't in it for themselves. Where are you from? 
What is Jen from the church down the street? No, it was in Burlington. Glad tidings. You know, like the Christmas carol. Anyway, don't want to get into that either. I mean, Glad tidings is kind of an old school name. Anyway, here's the deal. Great church, though. But I'm just like, it's so remarkable. If God moves you supernaturally, if he moves you in any way, like to just give beyond expectation, or love beyond expectation, or not judge beyond expectation, or care, or to lay hands on the sick, if he moves you in any way, there are miracles in the moment. Miracles where people go, what is on your life? What makes you different? It's a product of hunger. Your hunger for the right things, not to feed your flesh, but to feed your soul. If your soul digs into the presence of God and, and, and ingests what, offered, what you're offered in the vine of Jesus, all of a sudden there is a movement by the Spirit of God and it'll cause you to live in a way that is amazing and ridiculous and powerful. It is the miraculous that Jesus intended for the apostles' life, that they would walk forward in his existence and they would just give away life and grace. Did you know that you're supposed to prophesy? There's supposed to be an overflow of the Spirit in your life so your voice actually speaks for God. You know, that's part of it. You don't have to like compartmentalize the word and say, well, you know, that was for then and the, or the really spiritual people. You know what? You could actually be deeply spiritual, right? Like you just have to be remaining in the vine. And too often we're sucking back a two liter bottle of Coke and a bag of chips. He took all my pop. <laughs> Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for a life that misses out on the miraculous God ordained for your existence. <clears throat> Here's the deep. There are miracles waiting in advance for us. And God said, I, my hope is that I prepare good works in advance for you to do. And so that what he would do is put you on display. Again, the line is this. It is to my Father's glory. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Transformation that results in a demonstration of the grace of God through your life. Amen? How many think Stratford needs a dose of people demonstrating a transformed life? Come on, church. There are thousands waiting for you. <clears throat> One at a time, walking in your own miracles, surprise what God does for you. I just want you to look at me. This is so awesome. Every moment, every moment you identify the move of the Spirit in your life, where He's using you to bless, not curse, He's using you to give, not hoard. He's giving you to heal, not steal. Every moment, ready? Is the moment you get joy. When you realize that your relationship with the Holy Spirit has an overflow of grace for your life and you get to do things that make his name famous. Anybody want more of that? Come on, church. Melissa, can you come? Maybe a couple others would be great. Here's the deal. If you lack joy, hey, it's not because you haven't been to Chipotle or, or Outback or some dumb thing like that. Here's the deal. I don't think they even exist in Canada anymore, so get over it. Here's the deal. If you lack joy, like substantive joy, it's, it's a product of what you're ingesting. It's what you're thirsting for. How many want the joy God's made for your life? It's a product. Somebody say remain. remain. Turn to your neighbor and say remain. remain. <clears throat> hey. You either persevere in his presence or you wither. You either submit yourself to the shears. Ready? Or you substitute joy for happiness. And happiness only comes in moments because it's, it's an emotion. And joy 
is a sustaining product in your life that is a product not of you being a nice, organized Christian human being. It's a product of you knowing the Spirit of God in such a way that He can move you to the miracles He's made you for. Amen? He loves you not only enough to save and heal you, but to put your life on display in a way that the Spirit of God is revealed in extraordinary powers. It's like days before he dies. Guys, I need you to remain. I have this extraordinary hope for you. We've done this thing for three years and I have residual hope for you that just goes way beyond this moment. But I'm going to go. And you're going to treat the Holy Spirit either like a plaything that you put on at church or you're going to connect and remain and be inspired by His grace and you're going to produce a harvest of righteousness that people are impacted and they thank God for your coming. You know, in my life, like, when I was pastoring a local church instead of just running around the province and helping youth pastors, I used to be able to identify change, you know, just with my team and the students that we're ministering to, and there was such a grace to it, because I love just investing and watching people rise and become who God made them for. In fact, that's, if you ask my wife what was my life, my life is, it's basically living so that the dreams of other people can come true. That's just kind of what gets me going. And when I went on the road, I'm like, it's hard to see those moments. You know, you do the one-off in Sudbury and then you're in Sarnia and then you're in Sussex. That's not true. I've never been there. Here's the deal. Just looking for three S's. And I remember like a few months in, I was like, God, I'm like doing all this stuff, like retreats and rallies and services. And, like, does it even matter? It's not as fun as just doing the journey with people and like watching the transformation. And I'm like, you have to show me this is matter because I'm not going to do this job very long. If you want me in this job, it just has to matter. I just, so I was back up at Sudbury. And uh, actually, no, no the, youth, the youth pastor I'd been in several years, he calls me a month later. He says, I just want you to know, the last time you spoke here, there were two twin girls. They both got saved that night, never been to church. And he says, they're so transformed by what God did in their life that night. They're outing my Christians at school. They're exposing them. Because they actually are living for Jesus out loud or my Christians have just been comfortable and cautious. And I was like, Curtis, you could not have told me that. It brings such joy to my life. I was in British Columbia a couple weeks ago. And uh, this young man came up to me and he says, Pastor Mark, do you remember when you were at the Bible college here a few years ago in Abbotsford. I'm like, yeah, I remember. It's cool. Did you remember pointing out a guy in a coral shirt? You're like, you, you in the coral shirt. And it was like, in a, I was still preaching. I'm like, and I just gave him a word. He says, he said, that was me. And two months later at our youth convention, somebody pointed me out and gave me the same word. And by the way, everybody still says, hey, you're the guy in the coral shirt. Like all my friends. Anyway, it's really cute. He says, I just want to thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit because what you spoke in my life that day kind of changed me. And that's kind of the gift God gives me like all the time now. Hey, do you remember being at our... And I'm just like, no, but I'm so excited about hearing this next story because I believe God's ordained my life for the miraculous. And there are moments where I'm supposed to just out of the overflow of my life participate in the fun. So are you. Hey, who's in your home, in your neighborhood, in your school, your workplace that is waiting for the miraculous to be revealed from your life because you have lingered long enough in the presence of the Spirit of God that He actually impacts what you say, what you do, 
how you care and how you pray. They're waiting for you. I don't care how long you've been doing this. The moments God ordained for you to make him famous. Your best act of worship is a product of remaining in the presence of God until the Spirit of God so transforms you that the overflow of your life is the miraculous call of God on you. And then you get joy. Anybody want that joy? Stand to your feet if you want that joy. Close your eyes. Pretty please. I'm going to be nice. Close your eyes and just just picture the vine. Lift your hands halfway to God just with your palms up. Ready? Take a deep breath. Your presence is life to me. Breathe in the presence of Jesus. Be aware that the Spirit of God is in the house. Not only is He around you, He lives in you if you've given your life to Him. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, He has saved you and He has come and made a home in you by the Spirit of God. And I'm not making that word up. It actually says that in John. He says, my Father and I will come and make our home in you if you obey me, if you obey me. Thank you, Jesus. Close your eyes, please. Is anyone here say, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm far from God. But he's calling me by name. He's calling me by name. And I just need to get right with him. I just want to linger here for a moment because I just believe it's so important. If you're here today, say, Pastor Mark, I just, I, I just need to be restored to God. My relationship with Jesus, I need to be tied to the vine. I need to be attached to the vine. My life, my hope is in the vine. I, I, I'm missing the joy piece. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in shame and fear and unforgiveness. Whatever it is, you're, you're distant from God and it's drawn cold in your life, but you want to just give in to the, the call of Jesus tonight. I just want you to raise your hand and wave at me. That's me. Pray for me, Pastor Mark. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm, I'm far from God. Raise it up nice and high. Hold it up for me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just looking around. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor Mark. Pray for me. I want to pray for you. Just put it up over your head. Awesome. 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 You can put them down. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? I just want to be right with Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. I want to believe that he has incredible grace for my life, but I'm too far from him to know it. Anyone else? Just a moment longer. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, I just want you to whisper this prayer to God. Repeat it with me. And I just want you to know he loves you, surrounds you. Say, dear Father, I'm so grateful for the gift of your son, for the forgiveness and mercy available to me every day of my life. I come to you in need of your grace that you would come near to me and cleanse me and forgive me. I need you to be the center of my life. So receive my life, my will, my heart, my hope. I give it to you, God, all of me. I ask you to cleanse me. Wash away fear and shame. Draw me near. I need you desperately. Here's my life. Surrender to my Lord. In Jesus' name I ask. I believe there's, there's some really well-meaning people here tonight that obsess on really the wrong thing. 
if you obsess about your list, hey God, I prayed every day this week, this month, this year, for 17 years. If you obsess about your list, you're obsessing on the wrong thing. Our obsession should be that the overflow of those moments is exposed by the miraculous in our life. It doesn't matter your performance because it was never about your performance. If it was your performance, you'd be in hell. What matters is that he's revealed through your life. If you're obsessed in your performance, God would set you free so that you can actually enjoy the journey with him. He wants you to enjoy the product of remaining in him. Your communion with him should actually eventually take your eyes off your performance and actually put your eyes on, on how the outcome of your life is. Faith was never about you once you give your life to Jesus. It just isn't. <laughs> it's about everything your life gives away once Jesus has given you everything you need. And he has the moment you gave your life to him. Amen? If you're here tonight, you only have one job. The rest of your life, it is not to perform for him. It is to stay near enough to him that his life flows through your veins, through your voice, through your deeds, through your actions, and you experiencing him. Amen? So, so persevere until you get to participate in the miraculous joy God made you for. Are you with me? Hey. Tomorrow, I want you to remain long enough so that faith is so active in your life that you actually go looking for the evidence of God moving through you tomorrow. Through your voice, through your hands, through your feet, through your heart, through the way you live, through the way you love, through your generosity, through your time. If you can identify the product of remaining in Him, then you'll get it. Hey, the more I do this, the more it's produced in my life. And just wait, some of you see some miraculous things. Right? All of you will eventually. Sorry. Let's go back to that place where you're just remaining in Jesus. You guys ready? I just want to set you, see you set free from the performance trap. It's this trap of our society. Lift your hands. Take a deep breath in the presence of God again. Tell him you want the overflow of a life that remains in God. Come on, just tell him. I want the overflow of the life that remains in Jesus. Come on, I want the overflow of a life that remains in Jesus. I want to see the miracles you made my life for. I want the joy that you ordained me for, oh God. And I will chase you. I will chase you. I will remain tied to the vine. The extraordinary hope of your life is that it's tied to the miracles God made you for. And the miracles are a result of hungering for the presence of God. And I actually believe that God wants to use you in miraculous ways as soon as now, actually. And there's so much that the Word of God promises for your life. You just need to be remain near enough to believe for it. Have you noticed there's something about faith that seizes you when you stay near to Jesus? Like you just function in a faith that says... Yeah, maybe there is a big deal for my existence. Amen? Well, there is. So, you know, just as you go tonight, I just, just let the word remain, just stay in your head and your heart. Be convinced of this, that God would make your life a living praise for him. You're supposed to live in such a way that people thank God for your coming. Amen? So go, have some fun. Live out the product of being in the presence of Jesus and be such a blessing. And watch the miracles happen around you. And then know the joy. Amen? Father, thank you for a chance to just know 
And we abide in you, O oh God, and your word and your truth and your spirit abide in us. There's an, a product, a powerful, redemptive product. It's called joy. It's the outcome of walking in obedience to the spirit, of going where we're sent and speaking what we're asked and giving in obedience to your grace and loving in a way that's extraordinary and powerful. I pray, oh God, that we would be people who continue to abide so closely to you that the outcome and overflow of our existence is to see you working through us. May you get the glory of our living. May your name become famous because we remain near to you. God, give us a hunger every day to just stay in the presence of God. May we see your hand at work all around us as we abide in you, as we remain in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God richly bless you. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.